Hello, welcome back to the Y Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is one of the co-hosts of manga, the Manga Splitting Podcast. I don't know why I almost left out the the there. And uh, he is uh, an editor at Viz, uh, a place that has almost every manga that I've ever read, I think, currently. Yeah, <laughs> it's, close to. It's uh, David Brothers. Hi, how are you all doing? Uh, David, I am so glad to have you on. I've had Chip on a few times. Chip was like my first guest to have on here. Mm-hmm. And when he posted uh, months ago now that he was doing a, a manga po- podcast where people explain manga to him, I'm like, oh, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, it really worked out. Yeah. And uh, hearing hearing all your insights on it and stuff, I was like, oh, if I can, if I can get David on because like to talk about manga, because like there, I've only had one manga episode other than this one currently. And mm-hmm. it was just me talking about Beat the Vandal Buster for like 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, Yeah. That's a classic uh, one. Yeah, it is. It's an older one, especially since it's been on hiatus for like fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's ever coming back. But uh, it, it's one of those ones that like no one talks about, and is one of the ones that was one of my favorites growing up because of how just cool the concept was of it, and it was kind of like not one I've seen repeated since. Um, and so, like being able to have someone come on and just talk about manga, like all kinds of manga, it was something I'm very, very excited to have and uh, talk about because I think manga gets left out of the discussion when in the Western comics market so much, except for like when it comes to sales charts. Yeah, <laughs> it can be used as a cudgel and then everyone brings it up one way yeah. or another. But in terms of just being cool comics, like it's so, it's not as rare as it used to be. Like it's definitely getting better. Yeah. But for a while, it was sort of like manga was the... Uh, the enemy which is ludicrous they're all comic books yeah and when i when i started reading manga it was really um so i, I got first introduced to anime uh this is i wanted to get to your origin but i kind of want to establish yeah. my history to kind of like give you something to jump off of uh i got first got into anime with tsunami that's how a lot of kids in the 90s got into anime um and from there i went to my local library and when i was allowed to finally go into the teen section when i was like 10 because my mom's like ah, i don't care <laughs> you want to yeah. read comics and the comics are in the teen section so go over there um they just had a, a massive wall of manga and i'm like oh wait this is the stuff that the stuff the anime i like is based off of oh let me get started on this and like i was your typical shonen jump like junkie for a long time where it's like i had every about every volume of one piece up to like 40 like every time it came out i was like i need to do i need the new volume of one piece mm-hmm. and now they're like over 100 and i'm like i don't think i can ever catch up to one piece now <laughs> um and so reading all the different types of manga it made me from an early age at least branch out to all comics in that way and i realized while i was reading it seeing my growing up seeing my normal western comics fans my uh, friends and my uh, my other friends who've read only manga there was a weird sense of superiority on both sides where when like the western comic fans heard that you liked manga they're like oh so you think you're better than me yeah <laughs> and then we talk to the people who only like manga like we are better than you <laughs> and so it was very interesting now to see that kind of uh that shift where everybody's a fan of everything slowly but surely Mm-hmm. um so david like where did you kind of first get introduced to manga and even anime as a, in general uh i guess i'm kind of old school which feels mm-hmm. a little strange to say but it was probably the early 90s we, uh, we went to our local video store and my uncle rented vampire hunter d akira and fist of the north star okay um vampire hunter might have been like a second trip later that same week but it was all around the same time and all of those movies basically blew my mind 
Um, Fist of the North Star is incredibly violent, more violent than anything I'd ever seen. But like the story was also really compelling. Mm -hmm. And speaking as, you know, like a 10 year old, it's uh, differently compelling now that I'm, you know, 37. Um, Akira is still one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. And it kind of led me to the comics eventually when Marvel uh, started publishing those. Uh, the same uncle who got me into uh, anime also got me into comic books. So it was sort of two streams meeting when I finally discovered manga. Like I got a couple issues of Akira from the Marvel run. Uh, later on, I got Super Manga Blast from Dark Horse. I read, you know, I had maybe half a dozen or those. They were pretty hard to come by. Yeah. But I knew there was something there. And, you know, as I got the internet towards the end of the millennium, uh, I realized there was like a lot of something there. And because like I liked both kind of coming in, you know, I was a Toonami fan. I was a you know a sci-fi channel Saturday anime fan. Like I never really felt like one was better than the other. Yeah. So I think that the two strings are better at different things, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. You know, like specialties, like, you know, they reflect like the cultures and the interests of the uh, places that they come from. So of course they'd be a little bit different and have different specialties. But in terms of just being, if I sit down and I'm like, oh, I want a cool comic, like I could grab either one. Mm -hmm. And kind of the more I've read of Western comics and of Japanese comics, the broader my horizons have become. Because, you know, manga can be about anything. Like even just on manga explaining, you know, we've covered like, cooking manga and romance manga and art manga you know and the same is true of american comics you know fantagraphics is a lot of awesome stuff last gasp um i love uh piao comics you know they do a lot of um like mini comics and cool books you'd buy at a con things like that yeah so at this point i'm like neither one's better than the other and actually both have like some pretty serious problems but yeah. in terms of being story deliver delivery systems like They've been with me for so long that both just feel so natural. It's wild to hear you say that you picked up Akira through Marvel because I always forget, I have to remind myself, because I come across them when I'm going through old bits from time mm -hmm. to time, that manga first got introduced really over here as single issue Western comics. Like they were adapted to be <laughs> like, yeah, the slide in with the Western stuff. So you didn't know what was happening. It was a wild time, you know, like yeah. Lone Wolf and Cub was coming out in single issues with um, Frank Miller covers because yeah. he was such a fan of the series. I think it was first comics, maybe, uh, it but it was the same. Uh, Ranma one half coming out that way, too. Oh, yeah. Viz was doing Ranma in single issues. And there was another like really class. Oh, Dragon Ball, I mm -hmm, think, might have mm -hmm. had single issues. Yeah, I believe so. And it was sort of the people back then were like, oh, well, people in the U.S. read comics this way. So let's market it this way, which makes perfect sense. But then you realize um, Tokyo Pop had the brainwave in the early 2000s of making it kind of 100% authentic manga was their their slogan. And manga like took off after that once it became like graphic novels of like a certain size and format and like its own place in the bookstore. Yeah. I, I love Tokyo Pop saying like, you know what, let's just keep it the way it is. And like they fronted saying it's like, oh, it's because we want to be authentic. But like there's other reports like, I just, we didn't really want to put in the effort to read yeah. it the other way, which is totally fine. It's understandable because I think reversing it, if it's meant to be read one way, can change sometimes tonal things too. Yeah, um, for sure. The way like page reveals happen at times. And um, artists uh, hate seeing flip to drawing sometimes too. Like some artists are totally true. cool with it, you know, but yeah. some are like, no, like it makes me feel weird to see this. So I'd rather not. And it's it's wild too because like we have so many creators on both sides of the market now who are influenced by each other mm -hmm. because um, there's a recent chapter no spoilers for this but there's a recent chapter of my hero that literally has like um, a Western comics cover as its chapter like colored page 
Yeah. Um, and then you have like the current Batman run by Tinian and um, uh, uh, Jimenez, which is like 100% manga inspired. The way all the art's drawn, the way everything's so frantic, it has like all kinds of design choices that are just fully manga inspired, which is like, it's fun to see these two worlds kind of combine this way. Yeah. And that's a transition that's been going on for decades now. Yeah. Kind of, you know, like Frank Miller and Lonel from Cub, of course. Um, and then in the 90s, like Joe Matarea, a lot of the image guys were reading Masamune Shiro, like Appleseed. Yeah. Like they say, that's where a lot of the pouches came from. On the and, and that makes books. total sense when you look at Appleseed. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't talked about as much, I think, because it wasn't, I mean, we didn't have, you know, social media. We couldn't just ask Todd McFarlane, like, hey, what manga are you reading? Mm -hmm. You know? But now that we can see the influences and see like the long reads and things where they discuss, like, yeah, like comics from all over, like Mobius is as important as uh, Katsuhiro Otomo to most artists I've talked to. Yeah. And like the concept of uh, characters like Spider-Man and stuff, I feel like have influenced the Japanese market in some way with their masked heroes and um, how big Spider-Man was over there when Stanley was like, oh, maybe I should market it over there. Yeah. And it's funny how relatively little Japanese superheroes have managed to sink in over here outside yeah. of like just the Power Rangers as a franchise. Mm -hmm. uh, like I don't see a lot of like super Sentai principles in the Avengers comics, for mm -hmm. instance, like those are just straight up like Kirby action, but it would be cool to see that kind of teamwork make it into American books where everyone has like a very defined role and kind of personality. I feel like we're getting to a Sentai wave over here especially with some like kyle higgins like really like pushing that front with radiant black and doing the ultraman books kind of mm -hmm. over at marvel um but what's so funny is how how quickly and how um it's stayed that mech comics <laughs> have yeah. kind of grounded themselves <laughs> in western market because it feels like at least every decade one of the big two are like we're gonna do a mech special everybody gets a mech yeah it's awesome there yeah. was uh it even happened in independent comics like uh Casanova had a giant robot uh, a couple years before Pacific Rim came out. I mean, they're all trends that are like art feeding on art, feeding mm -hmm. on life, you know? Like there's always like a cool new Gundam series on the cusp of coming out in Japan. And there's always like fans of that who are like over here who are like, oh, how can I kind of show my love for Gundam and also kind of play with similar themes in my work? And then, you know, you get something like kaiju max or ultra uh was it ultra mega the james heron book yeah that one just came out recently yeah, yeah it's all giant monsters you know yeah not specifically gundam but you know what i mean oh yeah for sure and the the biggest thing i think is for both the western and the japanese market is the way that we've slowly watched both of them kind of rise out of some books will tell serious stories but not almost every book is trying to tell a very serious story even mm -hmm. if it even in like joke books are like there's real really interesting serious topics being thrown in that are like yes this is a comedy this is a gag book but it's, it's a little bit about self-image it's a little bit about like finding your place in the world and stuff like that yeah i think that definitely reflects us uh in reality too like especially yeah. As it gets easier, or maybe more common, I shouldn't say easier, more common that we talk like frankly about mental health. Uh, we do a lot of that like through humor, mm -hmm. you know, because you don't want to be too vulnerable online. So like you might make a joke about your depression or something like that. But it turns out like those jokes, jokes can be funny when the characters we like tell them too, and like yeah. relatable and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And, and as you said too, there's like, there's bad to both industries. And I think very similarly, they share um the same bad habits 
but mm-hmm. we're so exposed to the Western bad habits that we kind of um, ignore uh, the East's bad habits. Sometimes I had a, I had a, I had one question that kind of relates to this: is do you, do you think that parasocial relationships and role model status is worse with mangaka currently than it is with like Western audiences? Like we've seen, n- not to dwell on it too much, but like the resurgence of the Warren Ellis uh controversy and and him just being a terrible person and yeah and and people talking about oh man uh our, my hero is now ruined but maybe i should just look up to, to this japanese author i'm like well wait a second yeah it's i think those kind of relationships are very you want to be careful about them in general mm-hmm. but it's hard to judge on the japanese side you know like the language barrier for instance mm-hmm. like it can only go so far mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know i try to measure my fandom like i don't really like despite having a manga podcast i'm not really in fandom spaces you know yeah like, totally. i don't do like best boy or best girl uh debates outside of you know like in private with friends and i think part of that for me is like i've seen how those kind of relationships can get kind of like weird really quickly mm-hmm. so i mostly just try to internet the way i would in real life and you know tell jokes to my friends and not be too weird to other people yeah i, I do think too with uh uh, some manga creators, they kind of were on the the upswing of like, maybe we should just hide our faces. <laughs> yeah, that's actually uh, a long running thing in Japan is like a certain level of anonymity for yeah. uh, creators. Like they don't necessarily do public signings or sell art or things like that, which is kind of cool, to be honest. I, It's not for me personally. Like I'm definitely like a first name, last name guy on the internet. Oh yeah. But I also don't have an audience, you know, 90 million people don't read my book like they read One Piece. Mm-hmm. So the stakes are a little bit different. And and it helps keep some of that backlash that comes out at random times for stupid reasons kind of like separated from you because you're like, I would assume as a creator, you're either not paying attention to it because it just has nothing to do with you. They don't know who you are. Yeah. Or uh, other than that, you're like, that's not me that they're mad at. So I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, you put out, a work and it doesn't connect and you just kind of like have to take the loss you know yeah. and that's totally fine too like no one gets to win all the time so the the main uh the main question i had for you is um one what is your favorite manga and like why is it your favorite why does it hold mm. such a special place for you and two what is the thing that keeps you coming back to manga uh kind of the same answer to both but well, I answer the first one, I'll come up with a better answer for the second one. But Katsuhiro Otomo's Akira, I think is my favorite manga. It's the one I go back to the most. I'm always in the process of rereading it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I own it in several formats, like across di- several different publishers. Like there's a, a shelf, <laughs> like a good half shelf. This just this one book in my apartment. And every time I read it, I'm in a different place in my life, but I'm also better at reading comics than I was the last time I read it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you get your reps in, like you get better at doing something just by doing it. And so I get something different out of the book almost every time I read it, or I notice a different detail, or even I appreciate like a little interaction or a bit of dialogue or something like that. Like all my favorite moments in Akira right now are tiny ones. They're not necessarily like the big laser fights or like things crashing out of the air. It's like sad faces and like people taking showers in the dark and things like that. And there's something about the book and the story of it where it just like it was one of my first so like I have a huge amount of nostalgia for it like to the point where I'm not sure I could separate the nostalgia from the actual quality yeah 
but I feel like every time, since every time I get something different out of it, like the nostalgia, there's definitely something there, something for me to pay attention to and learn from. And I say that I'm better at reading comics every time I read Akira. This is kind of the second part of your uh, question. It's I'm better because each book I read, like brings something different out of me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like I'll learn to notice certain background details, or like a style of inking or you know, just the overall design of a page, like this two-page spread is having a nice flow or composition. And manga, and like Western comics as well, but like particularly manga in certain ways that I really appreciate a lot, consistently sort of delivers that to me, even if the books might be mediocre or sometimes even just straight up bad, it might have really good art, mm-hmm. a terrible story. Yeah. But like, I love action stories, you know, like that panel to panel storytelling. I want to see the action play out as if it were storyboards rather than, you know, just like big punches and big kicks. Or I might want like a more emotional story. Like we read, even though we're adults for uh, manga explaining, And it was a really good and emotional book in ways that I was not expecting and would have never expected like when I was a kid. Like yeah. I had no idea there were books about marriages dissolving in your 30s, you know. But there are. And because I see that these types of stories are possible in comics, too, I realize that in adventure stories or superheroes or anything, that type of emotional resonance is real. And you can have it in there in addition to all like the fun crowd pleasing stuff. And I think Akira has a lot of those things, you know, the emotional resonance, the crowd pleasing stuff and the way it interacts is always different for me. So pretty much like the novelty is why I keep coming back. And it's not just like novelty in relation to Western comics, it's novelty in relation to like other works of uh, other books, other manga, other works of art. Mm -hmm. Just I just love knowing things and learning new things and manga and comics really bring that out of me. It's it's so wild because I have never fully read Akira. I've read parts of Akira just because it's it's one of those books that's kind of hard to track down unless you uh, are going to sit down and buy all of them one go. Yeah, yeah, for Um, sure. Uh, I had one chance I should have done that. I went to a half price books one time and they had like the original like printings of, that they had for like, I think it was like $50 a piece was like every volume of like the first like monk, like original manga volumes that they would print in the U S for it. Oh, the yeah. Single issue ones. I'm like, I should have picked those up. I've got a couple uh, of those too. <laughs> uh, and, but I've seen the movie multiple times and I think about how much deeper, how much more story there is in the manga than there is in the movie, but the movie itself holds so much, power and mm-hmm. the small bit that it, and it's like only like the the first like half it's only like the first half of the manga right yeah it may be maybe the first half it might yeah, even just be yeah. the first third, there's so much know? more and yeah. it's like it's crazy how much is packed densely into a series like that and um even even if it's a bad manga there's 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 always so much packed into every manga i pick up good or bad mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And I know with independent books in the West, we are getting more and more diverse with the stories we tell, but there is still such a a weird, uh, I think, story pool over here in the West where it's kind of only like a dozen or so topics that people pull from. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of spread out from there, but there's never, like you said, like I, I, you pick a manga that's about a divorce couple, a couple in the thirties or something like that. You don't really get that in Western manga or uh, Western comics, unless you, are looking at something super obscure like um uh, uh, like strangers in paradise or something like that something that's so mm-hmm. un- under the radar of most people that you, you would never find it unless you were really looking hard um yeah i think I- under images the radar of publishing where, stuff like that 
Yeah, no, not not even closely these days. Um, but I think under the radar is where the good stuff lives. And yeah. manga itself used to be under the radar for the U.S. in yeah. a lot of ways, mm-hmm. where it was like the niche within a niche. Like they're, they're comics fans, but they're the weird comics fans kind of a deal. And I think that like whenever I found those books, it's always been at a comics convention, like trolling through Artist Alley, like oh, finding yeah. the the collectives of artists who are like, look, we just want to get these stories out here. Um, groups like uh, Hello Boyfriend and, um, oh my goodness, I'm forgetting their names. Uh, they do a magazine, P-O-M-E, Poem, uh, another group that, you know, they do things that I like a lot. And they're all like really specific comics about things that they're passionate about, you know, like shoujo manga, mm-hmm. anime, whatever. But they're all like really good and really... I guess it's nice when you can feel the passion. Yeah, for sure. And I think since there's not like a super mainstream pathway for those stories right now, like from regular normal people, not just, you know, professors writing about the dissolution of their marriage, uh, getting them straight from the creator is definitely the way to go if you can find it. And and I think manga has a a brilliant uh, avenue too. Is like, it's kind of like a, it's a weird comparison, but stay with me. Like Ratatouille, like the premise is anyone can cook. Mm-hmm. With, with manga it's anyone can draw it doesn't matter if it's good or bad anyone can draw like i think about where one punch man started um mm-hmm. and stuff like that and that gives people such an opportunity it doesn't matter if the art's good or bad someone's gonna pick it up and look at it mm-hmm. um and unlike the genres over here with like cape comics or just any kind of if you pick any genre over here in the west you're gonna get so, still very similar things like i think about Shonen Jump, because that's why I read the most, because I have the app and I can read it weekly. Yeah. I read a variety of different things. Like, I go from the most hardcore horror to the most, like, the sweetest queer romance that I've yeah. ever read in, like, <laughs> Blue Flag or something. And that's in the same magazine. And you're not getting that at a DC or a Marvel. Yeah, it's true. They, they approach things, um, I think, brand first, for lack of a better phrase. Like, it yeah. has to build the universe it has to build the dc universe the marvel universe which is you know fine it's their business model um but for the kind of authenticity like the personal stories it's a lot harder to do a personal story when you don't own the characters and you know like it the characters like someone in a mask who can transform into a monster like you want to be very careful what personal stories you tell with that kind of thing um and yeah like there's just such a wealth of those in manga i think because you get to the creators get to tell the stories about the characters that they've been making up and sitting with for all this time, you know? Yeah. And, and it's a set story too. Cause like with um, a lot of, a lot of comics is ongoing adventures. Um, it, it's very few that actually end probably when they should, or, um, mm-hmm. or they go, they just go very long. Like I think about Saga, Saga's on like a permanent hiatus currently. I know it's probably going to come back in the next year or so, but still it's been on hiatus for years where you have yeah, like two or three years now, I think. Yeah. And you have like some manga that goes on hiatus for that long, like Hunter Hunter or something like that. But most manga, like they have an ending plan and they're going to get to it. Um, unless you're Oda who just keeps on coming up with more ideas for one piece. Yeah. Um, no, I think he actually has an ending plan. For yeah. Like yeah. Interviews and he, stuff I've read. Yeah. He says he ha- is like the next five years is his goal. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a lot of chapters still. Um, <laughs> But like I think about how like um, even the longest running like Naruto or something one of the longest running ones that ended is like that's seven hundred chapters but it's still at least an end of seven hundred chapters mm. instead of 
something like Superman, which has been going on for 80 years, and I, there's no way this is ending anytime soon. Yeah, though I used to, the way I've been thinking about it lately is almost like Superman is like James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's fun to see the different remixes on like some of them like just don't work for me. And that's whatever. Yeah. But sometimes you get like a Daniel Craig James Bond and it's like, oh, this is like the really good Superman. Like when uh Greg Pak and Gene Yang were writing it for DC, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah, one of the kind of trading my favorite off. eras of Superman. Yeah, I think John Romita Jr. on art, and I forget the other artist, but he was also really talented. Aaron Cooter was the one doing it for yeah. Action, I was reviewing at the time, so I remember that era a little bit more particularly. Yeah, like that sort of thing, we would miss out on that if it was yeah just in and out. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to focus more on what's the small story they're telling with these long-running characters, with these 80 years of history and things like that. Because like Superman's never going to go away. Like Superman, he's gonna last longer than you or i ever will probably yeah so how do we make it work for us as viewers as readers and and i and i think too there's like we talk about comparing and contrasting just the different mediums there's something to be said about uh the single issue floppies and their pacing and um the color work because like as chip always complains like he he always hates the colored (laughs) pages and manga best because like when you get like what five color pages if you last like 200 chapters maybe yeah (laughs) like you don't get a lot of color pages so like if you're not practicing your colors like unless you're like um the jojo creator or somebody like that Mm -hmm. um you're not gonna get like the fun stuff like that but with with uh with western books you're always in color like for the most part Mm -hmm. i would say like maybe like five percent are never in color but for the most part you're always in color so you get so many people practicing their colors over here you get so many people like perfecting that kind of style Um, a lot of people specializing just in coloring yeah and color flattening and stuff like that Mm -hmm. where you got to get those books out every week (laughs) over in japan so you don't have time for that kind of special stuff so Mm -hmm. i like the i love the flair of western books but i also love just the kind of community of manga too when you get like a jump volume and you pass it around to all your friends i don't get to do that anymore because they, they stopped publishing the volumes like that over yeah there. those phone books were so cool though i ha- but i have a i have a box of them in my garage from back when i was collecting them in high school and a little bit in college and like anytime a friend comes over and wants to talk about manga i'm like let me show you these jumps <laughs> <laughs> um and and so it's i think it's really fun to have even though they're like the newspaper print like the, but they're just so much fun to have the collections like that and have the variety and to be like hey read this this gives you everything you need for a week Mm-hmm. yeah there's something about comics where you can just look at it and like that's all you need to do like you don't mm-hmm. even have to like sit with it very long it's like look here's a cool drawing if you want to know more just turn the page and i think what shonen jump has excelled at you know over here and also uh traditionally in japan is just giving you tons of those cool drawings from fist of the north star to jojo to slam dunk dragon ball like there's all these amazing action manga whether they're sports action or like martial arts action. And all you have to do is just like find that one shot that someone might like and be like, look, check this out. And they're in for life. And and I love the the fan interaction of it all too. Um, If you're, even if you're just reading volumes, you get the survey results of like, who's your favorite character and stuff. And you'd be like, ah, I'm justified in loving whatever Mm -hmm. terrible character because he's at least in the top 10. (laughs) I love the jokes that show up in those survey results too. Yeah. Like someone votes for like, weird things like the someone's left toe or something like that and and as like the letters page 
uh, ebbs and flows kind of in Western comics, I love the author's notes that you get in a lot of uh, volumes of uh, of manga. You don't you don't really get it in the volumes uh, the in the um, collections, but you get them in the single volumes that come out. Mm-hmm. And like I love <laughs> just reading the the garbage that Odo will spell out in One Piece sometimes to kind yeah. of just answer a question that he doesn't want to answer. <laughs> Or just to dot. My favorite thing about those are the um the way he someone will suggest a birthday and he's like yeah, yeah. sure whatever yeah it works yeah it's canon now <laughs> we'll go with that yeah um, or when someone asks warm. the characters like dimensions he's like ah just I'm gonna throw some numbers together we'll see if it works yeah it's the same thing that like made Marvel comics such a hit in the sixties and seventies like Stanley kind of brought that very folksy familiar parasocial relationship yeah uh to comics and fans ate it up for good reason like it's nice to feel like you're a part of something especially if that is something is like pleasant like that like you it's hard to have a bad day to sitting around talking about comic books yeah like i feel like both sides have to really work at having a bad day that way but like making that part of the marketing is a genius move especially you know it's probably just Oda's personality, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people's personality now, they want that connection. They want to be friendly with their fans and they don't want to take it too seriously because like making comics is hard work. Like it's hard on the body. It's hard on your relationships and stuff. And I, I guess it's kind of great for the Western market is like Twitter is a thing. And a lot of comic creators in the Western market are on Twitter being like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for good and for bad. Um, but I also like I love the idea of just seeing like authors notes while I'm reading a manga saying I came up with this at a random time or something. Uh, yeah. there was, I, th- I think it was um, Love is Hard for Otaku where every page had um, like a footnote on it. Oh, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to reread it like three times to like catch everything it was trying to tell me. Those are a trip because it's basically uh, like alt text from a webcomic. Yeah. And the uh, one of the few Western comics I could think of that did that actually went way further. It was Joe Casey and Giuseppe Comencoli's The Intimates, which mm. had like a running info box, like a VH1 pop-up video at the bottom of every page or almost every page. And it made the comic incredibly dense. Yeah. I think the same thing happens to uh, Wodakoi, Love is Hard for Otaku. Yeah. It's also funny, like the Adventure Time comic. I don't know if you ever read uh, the... Um... I think it was Kablam was the one who published those mm-hmm. and under, underneath every single Adventure Time comic was just a running story on the bottom of every page yeah and so I like, love it <laughs> you would have to reread it and it's like oh wait a second how is this connecting <laughs> and it just it's like a character it's like they pick one character to just have a rant through the whole comic mm-hmm. and uh, comics it, are such like yeah. a basic like foundational kind of storytelling thing that you can get away with that kind of playfulness and still have it be like not distracting but like part of the package you know yeah uh, so the, I guess the next thing is kind of move on to the, the last couple questions I have for yeah. you is for you, you've read such a vast array of books in general for like your career, even before Viz, like just the stuff that you've been doing your whole career. What do you think is the biggest misconception about manga that you kind of just are tired of? <laughs> oh man, that is a good one. Cause there's so many, but like some of them are kind of justified and other ones you're like, come on, man, just get your head out of your ass yeah like i'm not really a scanlations guy but that's obvious i guess um i think shonen being the predominant genre is probably a mistake for manga mm-hmm. like it's it's very like good for the market and it definitely supports uh a lot of the manga market here in the u.s but there's like such a diversity of content out there um like one of my favorite manga companies it was vertical inc 
uh, mm-hmm. when Ed Chavez was the editor in chief, and he brought out all these wild books like Velveteen and Mandela, uh, six not six billion needles, seven billion needles. I always get the title of that wrong. Um, all these wild series from a variety of perspectives, variety of viewpoints, variety of art styles, and any of those could be mainstream in the right like market conditions in the right hands because they speak directly like to an audience that like Mm -hmm. you know like grown women like reading manga about grown women like it's a very validating and fun experience you know same way like you know men enjoy reading manga about men doing you know doing manly things and yada 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 and I would like for the market to be a little more balanced in that way because there's so much manga for adults in addition to teenagers so much manga for girls in addition to boys there's so much you know for art comics fans in addition to adventure comics fans, having that represented a little more evenly, I think would do everybody a lot of good. Yeah, there's so many, there's so much manga and uh, like watching anime too is based off certain manga that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to read it. Oh, I can't read this, like not yeah. officially. And I like my one of the ones that like bugs me the most because I, like, I know I can read digitally, but I'm, I just, I have a, always have a hard time reading digital books. Mm. Is like, I would, I would just, give anything for someone to pick up Baki and put Baki out in physical over here. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I think, think, I, I think is Kodacha think, doing the digital versions of those? I think so. And I think it used to have a physical like way back in the day. Yeah. Like those are like $100 volumes now. Um, so it's like, can, can someone put this out? Because I love watching the anime, but, I, but the manga is so much better because of the art detail and stuff. Yeah. Like I'm definitely a manga better guy nine times out of ten. Yeah, no, I, even if I, I think, love the anime, like there's something about drawings on paper or like on a iPad, I guess. So I read most of my manga now. But there's just something about like the comic book as a format for me that just like works perfectly with my brain. Yeah, and we're on a really interesting precipice too with like official manga apps that mm-hmm. are now being subscription based. There was one that just launched like yesterday that was has a lot of uh, Azuki. Yeah, yeah, I have it. I have it on my phone. I've got the Explore lot, but I know it's like. It's a pretty small library. It's the first volumes of most things. But mm-hmm. like it's the same thing. Like Jump when Jump launched their app, uh, it was like a lot of first volumes of older stuff and like full collections of the stuff that's current. Mm-hmm. But it's releasing stuff every month, and so I'm so excited now that I have a place to read Kadanja books because like I had nowhere else to read those. Yeah, I think and, the only other place like that was maybe Crunchyroll for a while. Yeah, Crunchyroll has a manga side, but even that's very limited in what they had yeah. for a long time. And there was another one. I have it on my phone, but it, it was so weird because they would only release like the first three chapters and then you had to make sure you're reading it weekly because they would just start deleting them after like, oh, yeah. five weeks. And I'm like, <laughs> I, you're starting me in the end of the series. Yep. Or a hundred um, chapters in, or something like that. Yeah, so where am I going to read all these other ones? Now you're going to make me have to pirate the other ones, and I'm going to catch up to you. Yeah, one of my, I think my pick for something like that. What is Sori Machi was on Crunchyroll. Sori Debo Machi wa Mawateru, and it's called In the Town, and yet the town moves. There's an anime as well. It's a comedy manga about a lady, a teenage girl who works at a maid cafe. That's not really a maid cafe, mm-hmm. but just incredible jokes, incredible characters. And I read the entire thing on Crunchyroll, like all, you know, what, 100 something chapters, uh, 16 volumes, apparently. And super good. Like you could totally put it in anyone's hands and have them laughing. And, and with the manga, too, manga is, is built, I think, better for digital than 
a lot of Western comics are because West with the colors and stuff like yeah. you know, like me, my eyes just hurt after reading like a volume of normal comics on my phone or something because the colors are so bright and so vivid or so just jarringly different. Mm-hmm. But I can read fifty chapters of a manga on my phone just laying in bed and it's like, ah, eh, I guess I should go to bed now. Or like I I guess my eyes are a little tired. Like it's not as straining because it's always in black and white. Yeah, I have the same thing. I've been reading old Judge Dredd comics lately. Well, like Judge 2018 more generally, but a lot of Judge Dredd <laughs> as well. And same thing where like the black and white is just so easy to tear through like eight or nine chapters at a time. Yeah. Um, I guess the last two questions I have is one, what is one manga that every comic fan should read? If they're not even if they're not a manga fan, they should read it as a comic fan. And I'm gonna play hard mode with you that you can't pick Akira. Okay. Uh <laughs> it's still easy. It's gonna be Vagabond. So yeah, yeah, Vagabond is definitely one of those like top tier iconic ones. Yeah, it's so impeccably drawn. Like I've loved, I've written several different essays about it at this point, but it's another one. Like as you read it, go back and reread it and you'll just find all these different life lessons that you weren't expecting. I think where it's at in the story right now, like Musashi's given up being a swordsman to basically be a farmer. And like as a creative person, as a person who makes things, like there's lessons in there about Mm -hmm. figuring out what you're capable of, figuring out what you're willing to do in order to become better at what you're capable of. And all these like wild parables about confidence, about competition. There's a lot to the book. And it's also about a guy who's an amazing swordsman, you know? Yeah. So I think if you came out of like a Cape Comics tradition, like Vagabond is the one. This is like the next step up. And, and kind of like a side to that, like g- like going from Vagabond to like Slam Dunk, which is by the same creator. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I there's there's a there's a deep like need in my stomach for Western comics to do sports comics. Yeah, <laughs> because one of my favorite genres in manga is sports manga, and I always have a good time. It's always fun. I don't I don't care about sports in general, mm-hmm. but they do such a good job of explaining the sport having such passion for the sport and then just keeping the drama of who's going to win, even though, you know, at some point the, the team that you're reading has to win. Um, there's just nothing like that over here, except for like, uh, like fence is really good. And I think there's one or two others. I think please though. They yeah. all sort of do it to different extents. I think mm-hmm. one thing that sort of limits us here in the States is like, it's hard to, like a good basketball game in slam dunk is probably the length of Watchmen. Yeah. And selling someone on 12 issues of a basketball game. And the last two issues are all one person taking one shot. Yeah. It sounds amazing, but it's sort of hard to convince someone who's not already on the team into like picking that kind of thing up. Very, very true. Like, like the industry is just a little different. Yeah. I think about Haiku near the end is like every volleyball match was about a hundred chapters. <laughs> Yeah, and it's glorious because when they finally hit that shot, like the the release as a reader, the catharsis is off the charts. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think comic shops are necessarily down for you know issue one through one hundred of Slam Dunk Volume Six or something. True, but the pacing sometimes of Western comics, I'm like maybe maybe we could get people to drag it out that long because there's some comics yeah. that go take take forever to get where they're going. I um, would love a graphic novel about one boxing match. Yeah, um, Carmine Di Gia Domenico. The uh, he did like a great Daredevil story. Mm-hmm. Um, he does superhero comics. He did boxing comics in Italy, and I really want to pick some of those up and see what it's like. I think about um, it's it's not one match, but like 
Steve Orlando and uh, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's Kill a Man that they put out through Aftershock not, uh, last year. Like it's it's leading up to one fight, but it's a it's a graphic novel of getting to that fight and like the history of the characters and stuff. I'm like, this is the closest I'm gonna get. <laughs> yeah, Steve Orlando's good at that kind of stuff too. I really like his yeah. work. Uh, yeah, that's one one of my favorites. Um, I, and final question for you is: out of all the stuff that's happening now, like currently uh, being uh, serialized now, what is your top favorite that you keep that you like, or just like this is the best thing currently out right now? Oh, that is tough because I read on such an irregular schedule. Um, what am I reading right now? Usually it's whatever I read that week from manga explaining. So I keep doing books like A Bride Story or Journal of My Father. I'd say for this year, actually, Journal of My Father. Um, journal for My Father? Uh, a Journal of My Father by Jiro Taniguchi. We read it for the manga explaining podcast, and I think it's maybe a couple of weeks away uh, in terms of like going public, but it really knocked my socks off. It's about a guy who basically goes to his father's wake and discovers what his father was like from all these other perspectives. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's from 1994. Uh, Taniguchi did it, you know, as a younger man, but it is really good. It's up for an Eisner Award, and it's probably the manga that I've thought the most about after reading it in terms of, like, mulling over the things that happened in it, the ideas that it presented me with, the, like, challenges to my real life that are in the manga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good. And you said, uh, is that comic coming out soon or is the episode of manga explaining coming out soon uh the episode of manga explaining is coming out soon gotcha so the manga's already out so you get that anywhere yep it I came out in february or january i think okay um david thank you so much for being on the show and just sitting down chatting with me about manga i don't get to do this enough with people <laughs> yeah no thanks for having me it's always a pleasure um where can people one find the show anywhere or follow you for uh, your hot takes about god and gospel yeah go to mangasplaining.com for the podcast and i'm at hermanos h-e-r-m-a-n-o-s on twitter I, I guess like if no one already follows you they might not <laughs> get the joke about following you for god and the gospel they'll get it very quickly they, yeah they will I get promise it very quickly it's one of my favorite jokes um that i've ever seen on twitter um <laughs> Yeah, and I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. You can follow the show at uh, Y Comics Pod on Twitter, at Facebook at facebook.com slash Y Comics Podcast. You can email me at Y Comics Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, have a question for a future guest, or just have a story about how comics impacted you that you want right on air, you can reach me at all of those places. If you like the show, please leave a review and tell a friend. Uh, logo for the show is done by Andy Manley, who is currently working on The Simpsons, so you can see him and the credits of all the new episodes um at least currently unless he's told me like he messaged me later like ah, i'm not on the simpsons anymore <laughs> uh and the theme is join the restaurant by david setsi um and remember everybody even captain america punched nazis <laughs>